You're listening to the Assembly Call IU podcast and postgame show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Join us for our live broadcasts on Thursday nights and immediately following every IU game at our website, assemblycall.com. That's assemblycall.com. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to another disappointed episode of the Assembly Call, as tonight your Indiana Hoosiers fall to 1-2 and two on the young season with an 84-68 to 68 loss to Seton Hall in what truly was a tale of two halves, as Indiana really came out and did a lot of nice things in the first half, weathered a couple of big Seton Hall runs, battled back, showed some mental toughness that we haven't really seen, uh, you know, or hadn't seen anyway through the first two games of the year and only down one at halftime, you know, had the rebounding advantage, really did some things that that were impressive. But unfortunately, in the second half, uh, a veteran tough Seton Hall team really took it to Indiana. And a lot of the positives that Indiana had in the first half, the rebounding advantage, uh, the, the advantage on turnovers and points off turnovers, that quickly evaporated in the second half as Seton Hall uh, pushed out to a quick lead in the second half uh, and then hung on for the 16-point victory. We will break it all down for you here on this episode of the Assembly Call. I'm your host, Jared Morris. I'm here with my co-host, Andy Bottoms. Uh, and as we were just chatting real quick before we went on the air, Andy said, you know, this is a really tough game to process. Uh, and it is, but that's what we are here to do for you and help you make sense of it here uh, in the immediate moments after it just happened. And we will start, as we always do, with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And this is, of course, the moment in every show uh, where you know we try and pick out something from the game, a positive that leads us to believe that we are truly on the path to hanging that next banner. I feel like it's important to kind of reiterate why we do this at the beginning of every show, and it started way back uh, when we first started doing the show back in the 2011-12 season, uh, back when Indiana was still trying to build something and not coming off a lot of success, and we wanted it to be a positive. And I think our perspective as fans is going to be really important right now because clearly we're going to have to be a little bit more patient with this rebuild uh, and we need to look for moments in a game like this uh, to, to keep us looking forward with positivity because it's easy to just you know get mad about a 16-point loss and mad about a bad second half and just kind of throw everything out and get upset. Uh, but I think it, it, we really need to focus on finding those positives, those building blocks. And I think there were some in this game uh, and one of them came early uh, to me, early in the first half. You know, I think we all knew that how Indiana started this game was going to be important because this has not been a mentally strong team. And I think we all feared that if Seton Hall came out, really gave Indiana a, a tough punch, would Indiana be able to punch back and handle it? And I thought Indiana did. You know, Seton Hall jumped out to a 10 to 2 lead right off the bat. And I think we're all thinking, oh man, here we go. But then Indiana right away battled back, and they had a quick 7-2 run that got it back to 12-9. And so the particular banner moment is the jump shot that Justin Smith hit that made it 12-9. And that is what culminated that 7-2 run, which began with Justin Smith making a bucket. Then Devontae Green hit a three-pointer, and then Justin made that jumper. Uh, and there was also some good defense sprinkled in there for Indiana. And so that was the first response that Indiana made. There was another response later in the half after Seton Hall pushed it out to a 9-10 point lead with Devontae Green making a couple of threes. But 
I was particularly impressed with this one because it was early. It was on the road. Obviously, you got a freshman like Justin Smith starting. And for him to be poised like that and to really be ready to step up and make some big plays early, and obviously Devontae Green, just a sophomore, that bodes well. I know there's a lot of frustration with some of the upperclassmen right now. Uh, but for the young guys to step up in that kind of situation and basically pull Indiana back from an early brink, I thought was very impressive. I thought it was something to build on. Uh, and so, again, even though the final score was not a good one in the second half, was very frustrating, there were some building blocks, I thought, from this game where we saw the kind of basketball, both mentally and physically, that Archie Miller wants Indiana to play. And that, in particular, was one from some young guys that Indiana is going to count on a lot in the future and clearly is going to count on a lot more this season uh, than we anticipated. All right. Well, our banner moment, as always, is brought to you by our friends at Hoosier Proud, an Indiana-based t-shirt and apparel company that is by Hoosiers for Hoosiers. So why should you check out HoosierProud.com? Well, I'll give you three reasons why I think you should. And the first is obvious. You need to check out HoosierProud.com for their designs. So they are actually the official distributors of our Assembly Call logo t-shirt. So you can find those there. They have officially licensed IU gear. So you can find that there. And they have their renowned, really unique, interesting Indiana-inspired designs that you should also check out. So there's a ton there, especially as you start thinking about Christmas shopping for the Hoosier on your list. Consider Hoosier Proud. The number two reason is their philanthropy. So Hoosier Proud donates a portion of the sales from their t-shirts to Indiana-based charities. And on their website, they list what those charities are. And then the number three reason, of course, is you save money at Hoosier Proud because they're very generous with our listeners. And so when you use your promo code assembly, A-S-S-E-M-B-L-Y, you will get 15% off your entire order. Not just one shirt, not just assembly call gear, but anything that you order at Hoosier Proud. Use that promo code assembly to let them know that you heard about them on this show and you will get 15% off. Check them out at HoosierProud.com. All righty. Well, it is time to move the ball, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team. And it's a one-man team tonight because Ryan is currently en route to Maui, I believe, or he is covering the Maui Invitational for TheBigLead.com. So he will not be with us tonight, but Andy Bottoms is here. And his Bottoms line is brought to us by IUTickets.shop, the URL to use when you want the best prices on IU basketball tickets. Andy, what is your Bottoms line from this Indiana loss? Uh, you know, like you said, this really is a hard game to process. And I say that because, it, you know, toward the end of the first half, you could see the team start to gain confidence. They deflected an in, in inbounds play, an inbounds pass out of bounds, and the whole bunch was up. And you could just see guys had a different look that we hadn't seen get it. They had forced Seton Hall into 11 turnovers. They were playing really well. And then the second half showed you just how fleeting that confidence is for these guys at this point. And and part of that, I guess, we go back. I can, you know, beat the default setting analogy into the ground again. But they got tough uh, in the second half. They just weren't able to bounce back again, and they reverted back to the same sloppy passes. And, and instead of making the simple play, uh, trying to really, you know, make the home run, uh, instead of being in position defensively that allowed them to force those turnovers, they fouled. 17 or I think 17 times is what it ended up with mm. gave up a ton of w just wide open threes out of control under closeouts um, and really just kind of e even when they got the game back to 10 when when Robert Johnson made a layup you know there's still it's a 10 point game with seven minutes left like you're not out of that game and then they just completely wilted and gave up a 7-0 run and then it was and then it you know it was pack things up and let's go home but um, you know so I think the positives are you can you can take away the the confidence that they saw and were able to build and the things that you talked about in the first half. Um, the negative is that 
that this is the same kind of fragile team that we've seen already a little bit at times this year. And you saw Deron Davis, you know, play 15 minutes and foul out. I think he played five minutes in the second half and had three fouls and just was not a factor. And this, and and Robert Johnson, while the final point total looked good at key moments in the game, didn't want any part of shooting the ball, turned it over. um, And those kinds of things continue to be frustrating. So there are, uh, you know, again, it just goes back to it's hard to process. There are things to like, but there are, you know, a lot of the red flags that were still there uh, didn't really go away when the chips were down in the second half and the team really had a chance to win and and probably will come out after the game. They just have to get to a point where they realize how to do it. Um, but it was it was if you told me at the beginning of the game, I you would end up losing by 16. I probably would have said, OK, that sounds about right. I think that's actually pretty close to what the spread was. Mm-hmm. Um but I, I feel like I'm actually more frustrated by the way that it happened after watching the game unfold than I would have been if you just said they're going to lose 84 to 68 and save the next two hours of your life and watching these and and don't you don't have to watch Bo Borowski. Uh, you know, that would have been fine and, and we could have all gone on. So uh, your hatred just, for him is underrated, by the way. Just, that, that, is a, that is a meme on this show that doesn't get enough uh, talk. <laughs> it's not it's not him. It's just people who aren't good at what they do. I mean, I don't you know, <laughs> if he falls in that category, then so be it. But, I you know. Yeah, I mean, look, it's it's frustrating when you have a second half like that. And clearly, you know, this team isn't anywhere close to where it needs to be. I guess the one saving grace for me from tonight and the positive that I take away from this and that I hope the team takes away from, away from this is at least, you know, I feel like we saw what this is supposed to look like. You know, this Seton Hall team is really good. You know, if Indiana had played them 40 minutes close and you lose by one or two points, there absolutely would be no shame in that. I mean, you would say, wow, what a great performance by Indiana. And the Hoosiers did that for 20 minutes, you know, and to go out and out-rebound them and really execute the game plan in so many ways really well is nice because it's the first time we've really seen it. Like, you know, I didn't, I don't really feel like against Indiana State and Howard, we really saw any long stretches that, you know, you can really say, okay, this is kind of the blueprint for what this needs to look like. And even if we did against Howard, because of the competition, you're not really going to put much stock in it. And so I do agree with you that the final 20 minutes were frustrating and a, a definitely a letdown. And anybody who saw me on the, the halftime report you know, saw me so excited because it's like, hey, you know, okay, maybe this is what it's supposed to look like. So what I'm hoping comes out of this is obviously there's a whole lot of tape from the second half where Archie and the staff are going to be able to point at mistakes and say, okay, hey, we've got to correct this. We've got to correct that. You know, but Archie has talked about this. Like these guys need to have success doing it the new way so that they believe in it, so that they buy into it. And now I feel like there's, you know, there's going to be some tape, 20 minutes of tape where you can look at it and say, hey, against this, you know, really good team in their uh, in their place, you know, we did X, Y, Z. We did all these things we needed to do. Now, if we keep doing this, then good things are going to happen. And if we can go from playing 20 mentally strong minutes to 24 to 32 to 40, you know, hey, now we can start winning some games. And I know that's frustrating. And it's, you know, it's one of those things. It's like, okay, well, you know, now we're just going to take solace and it's a moral victory because we played well for 20 minutes and it's not that I mean there's you know there's nothing great about losing by 16 but I do think that we have to be again as I said realistic about what this transition is going to be like playing a totally different brand of basketball with guys who we saw all year last year were not mentally strong so Archie Miller is not going to come in and wave a magic wand and somehow you know make them mentally strong and attentive for 40 minutes on defense so I think we're going to have to 
embrace some baby steps and embrace progress. And again, at least we saw it for 20 minutes tonight, even though it didn't really change the ultimate result or what you might have predicted the ultimate result to be. So we've got a lot of negatives to break down, but I just, I don't want to wallow in it the entire show because I do think that there were some things that we can build on in this. And I think it's really important that we at least, you know, if we're not going to get excited about them, at least acknowledge them because I certainly hope that Archie is, and I think he will be because as I said, he said, these guys have to see themselves having some success. And finally they were able to see that a little bit in the first half. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I mean, I think there are, are definitely positives to take. And this is a game that even, no matter what you thought about this team, even prior to watching them play the prior two games, I, I think this was a hard game to win. You were had a, a really veteran team, uh, a tough team, and that really showed up. That was, you know, particularly, you know, difficult to guard. Desi Rodriguez is just a hard matchup for for what IU has on the roster right now, just how strong he is and and – um, you know, how much he goes to the basket. I think that was a tall order for really anybody on the, on the roster at this, at this standpoint. And, and Delgado, we knew how good he was, um, coming in. So I don't think it's a game that anybody had earmarked as a, as a victory in many scenarios either way. And certainly not the case after, uh, you know, watching the first two games. So I think to be able to see some of the positive things, um, is good. And, and hopefully you start to see the team get a little bit tougher and a little bit tougher. But yeah, as you said, the first half just, uh, based on what we'd seen in the first two games, to think the team was going to respond to falling down um, by relatively large margins, uh, you know, twice in the first half was not something that I would have bet anything on. So, it, it's a positive, and and hopefully they can build on that and figure out a way to, uh, you know, to sustain that for a little bit longer during the game. You're listening to the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. I am Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms, breaking down Indiana's 84 to 68 loss to Seton Hall. Uh, Andy, let's talk about the night for Deron Davis. Uh, certainly, the biggest disappointment for Indiana tonight was Deron. You know, he's been the one guy kind of through two games with Indiana not really having much that it can rely on or really much in the way of identity. I feel like Duran has kind of been the identity, you know, because when things got a little tight in that Howard game in the second half, what did they do? They went straight down to Duran. Now, obviously, dumping it into your big man against the 350th ranked team in the country without much in the way of a post presence is a heck of a lot doing a heck of a lot different than doing it at Seton Hall with one of the best players in America. You know, but I, I think it was fair to hope that Duran was going to be more ready for this challenge uh, and that he would be able to play, you know, Angel Delgado, you know, maybe not to a draw or better, but at least a little bit closer than four points, only one rebound, obviously the five fouls. And yeah, a couple of them were a little bit ticky tack, but, you know, uh, he's also probably got to be a little bit smarter. Um, but even when he was on the floor for his 15 minutes out there, wasn't much of a factor. And so I think it's, you know, look, it's going to be one of the toughest challenges he's going to face all season. And so I think certainly brighter days are ahead for Duran. Uh, but, you know, maybe a bit of a reality check in kind of the ascension of Duran Davis that he's still a young sophomore. Uh, and he, like everybody else, still learning to play with the mental toughness and the mental edge that it takes to compete. And I think what Archie Miller called, you know, a grown man basketball game today. Duran wasn't quite up for the challenge. I don't, you know, it doesn't make me question uh, how good I think he can be as we move forward this season, but it's a little bit deflating given, I think, what we hoped. Uh, and I think what's fair to say that he's capable of, he just wasn't able to to do that tonight. Yeah, I mean, I thought, I don't know that he was one who had issues with this. IU really struggled because of knowing Delgado's presence there, you know, really struggled to just catch the ball under the rim. I don't know that he was a guy that had issues with that, but um you know, the reality is he may, he only took three shots on the floor and he made the first basket of both halves. And that was, that was it. And either one, and I, 
you know, you kind of thought he hit that, you know, face up jumper to start the game. Felt like nice. <laughs> maybe that was a, a good sign of things to come for him. And then, you know, they got the ball into the post to him right out of right out of halftime. And he scored there as well. And you kind of thought the same thing, but he just couldn't kind of get out of his own way from a, you know, foul standpoint. And I think at least two of his fouls were off the ball in the second half, I think, or not really not had very little yeah. to do with the actual like play itself. So, and they um, were like little bump fouls. Like it was just, yeah. you know, yeah. And and those are the kinds of fouls that he made last year that he attributed so much to, you know, his conditioning and, and fitness. And I don't think that was the issue tonight, but um, yeah, they're just, there are going to be very few games, despite the fact that I thought, uh, you know, Juwan Morgan and, and Justin Smith played really well together uh, when they were in the game at the same time. But there just aren't going to be a lot of games against any opponent, no matter how good they are. Certainly not as good as Seton Hall is that that IU can only get 15 minutes out of Deron Davis in one rebound. It's just, it's just not going to happen. This team isn't built that way, um, particularly as, you know, the team continues to really struggle shooting the ball from the outside and really is only having success. Uh, when they really attack the basket or, or get the ball inside, if he's not there to help do that or help clean things up on the offensive glass, uh, it, it just there, there's no clear replacement for him at this point. Freddie McSwain really struggled tonight after playing well in a few games, and um, they're just you know you put that stat line up there, IU's going to lose uh, probably 97 times out of 100 if he if he puts up that stat line. Yeah. What did you think uh, overall about the defense in the first half? I mean, obviously, you know, in the second half, I thought, you know, look, Seton Hall obviously was committed to going into Delgado. They did a really good job in the in, in the second half of doing that. And, and Indiana got in foul trouble and, you know, they weren't able to force the same number of turnovers. And so it just it wasn't the obviously the same effort in the second half. But I thought in the first half, you know, we saw a lot of what the defense hopefully is going to look like. We saw really good pressure on ball handlers that made it difficult to get the ball into Angel Delgado. We saw turnovers being forced. We saw really tough physical offensive rebounds I thought you know I thought Juwan Morgan you know while his play I think tailed off a little bit in the second half although he did have some nice moments I want to talk about I thought in the first half without really scoring well I thought he played really really well I mean just being a tough guy on the glass playing tough defense um, but again Indiana just wasn't able to do it for two halves but what did you see in the first half from a defensive perspective that Indiana can build on I mean, I think the turnovers and the ball pressure were good. They did force them into some mistakes. And you know, Seton Hall shot the; they still shot the ball really well in the first half. I mean, they still made they made about the same thing for uh, both halves. I believe they they shot about fifty seven percent for the game and fifty six point five for the first half. Um, you know, we're able to get some open threes. As I mentioned before, you know, IU continues to really struggle with closeouts, just flying out at guys, um, completely out of control. And um, but IU also kept them off the free throw line. So if you compare. You know, you compare the two halves where they forced 11 turnovers in the in the first half, only four in the second, and only sent them to the line six times in the first half as opposed to uh, roughly 107 in the second half. I guess only 23, but, um, you know, those are huge differences in that. And and so I think that, you know, that's a that's a pretty big struggle. They gave up, you know, they only gave up three offensive rebounds in the first half, six in the second. Um so I thought there were some positive things there. I thought they really battled even when Duran was out. I mean, you could tell they were really trying to just nurse him through without getting him into foul trouble in the first half. And, and to your point, Juwan really was the guy to step up and try to be able to, to you know, fight for rebounds and things like that. So I think yeah, there were some positives to build on. In the first half and did not play very well. In the first yeah, he no, it deserved a deserved quick hook, I, yeah. would, I would say, at that point. And, and so I think, you know, the, the ball pressure was good. I thought they're – um communication was a little bit better i thought the second half that just completely broke down there were a lot of guys just running right at the basket so their ball screen uh the way they handled those in the second half i thought was a lot a lot worse than the first 
Um, and the fouls obviously were a problem. I don't know that the three point shooting was, was dramatically different. So they gave up a pretty good percentage, uh, in, in either event, but they didn't really seem to, um, you know, at times they just seemed to, you know, Delgado's a huge guy, just really give ground to him, which is why, you know, when they cut into Archie in the huddle late in the game, he talked about trying to front him, but I don't know that they had ever, ever actually did. Um, yeah. but they talked about, you know, needing to adjust. I think they needed to try to double him and, and they were leaving shooters at that point, but, um, you know, he was just murdering them inside. I think that was a really big struggle and, and kind of in the same way that IU was trying to run everything through Duran in that Howard game. I thought Seton Hall did a really good job, particularly in the second half of doing that with Delgado because he made some really nice passes, um, out of the post to open shooters as well. In addition to, you know, drawing so many fouls. Boy, he's a good player. He's a really good player. Yes, he is. (laughs) All right. Yeah, breaking news here on the Assembly Call. Uh, Coming up on the Assembly Call, I will point out tonight's meaningful moment you might have missed, uh, which is going to lead into a much-needed discussion about Indiana's senior guards who were not good enough tonight. Uh, And then we'll go inside the numbers. That is next here on the Assembly Call. Stick with us. Hey, just a real quick note here. The next time that you are going to shop online for IU gear, use the URL iustore.shop. That will take you to the official IU online store where they have anything you could possibly want. Candy stripe pants, the script Indiana warm-up shirt, all kinds of IU gear. And that URL, iustore.shop, is actually our affiliate URL. So when you use it, and buy something, we get paid a commission. So it's a great way for you to shop for the IU gear that you need and to support the assembly call at the same time. Again, the URL is iustore.shop. Please bookmark it and use it the next time you're looking to buy IU gear. We appreciate it. Now back to the show. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms, and we are breaking down Indiana's disappointing 84-68 to loss to Seton Hall. And it is time for tonight's meaningful moment that you might have missed, which is delivered by iustore.shop, the URL to use when you need to shop for IU gear, when you need to shop online for IU gear. So, you know, obviously the second half did not go well, but... You know, it, obviously it started out okay with Indiana, you know, right there, just down one. You know, Indiana and Seton Hall exchange a couple of buckets. And, okay, it looks like here we go. There's going to be maybe more of the same here in the second half than we saw in the first half. But, unfortunately, Indiana fell into some really, really bad old habits with turnovers that I thought were absolutely killer at the start of the second half. And, in particular, I think there were three turnovers uh, I don't think they were in a row, but I think maybe out of four possessions that were just, I mean, they're the unconscionable, like, what the heck are you doing type turnovers. Uh, one of them was by Devontae Green, just a bad pass. I mean, it was, you know, Devontae being Devontae, and a few times every game he's going to try and make a home run pass. And, you know, look, sometimes those passes work out, and he had a couple of really nice nifty passes. And so to a certain extent, if you're going to get the good ones, you have to deal with some of the bad ones. But hopefully as he gets older, he starts reducing the bad ones. But my goodness, Robert Johnson, the two turnovers that he had during that stretch, one was just an awful pass, uh, and the other one was just a, a loose handle that Seton Hall stole, uh, which, you know, it could have been Indiana going the other way for two. Instead, Robert can't handle the ball. Seton Hall goes back the other way. And this is when Seton Hall went on their run early in the second half. And so Indiana went from up one to being down nine. And it felt like it happened in the snap of a finger. And it was so reminiscent of the big runs Indiana would give up last year when they just, you know, would have a barrage of turnovers. And 
you know, really from that point on, Indiana was never really able to get back into the game. They had the one little push where they got it back to 10, Andy, that you mentioned, and then Seton Hall immediately pushed it back out to seven. But I thought this point right here was when the game was lost. And the worst part about it to me is at a point in time, you know, beginning of the second half, you really got to build on what you did in the first half, get off to a good start. A guy you're counting on to be your leader as a scorer, you know, as a ball handler, just as, as, a, as a guy with maturity, Robert Johnson made a couple of, of you know, freshman type plays that you just can't have. And so, you know, I thought between he and Josh Newkirk, you know, you look at the numbers, at least the numbers I have, Newkirk was minus 19, Robert Johnson was minus 15, both the worst on the team. Uh, and despite, you know, a couple of, of stretches of offense for those two guys in the second half, once Indiana was already down 13 or 14, I just didn't think they gave Indiana enough tonight. And, you know, you are not going to go on the road and beat Seton Hall with your big man having a rough night and your two senior guards really not providing you much in the way of leadership and consistency. And I thought that little mini stretch by Robert Johnson was just kind of a microcosm of when Indiana really, really needed him, he shrunk from the moment and kind of padded his stats later on when the game was, for the most part, already decided. Yep, I, I totally agree. I mean, he anything he got going tonight was was more going at the basket. But again, there were stretches of time where he just didn't even look at the hoop. And and I, you know, I tweeted this out during the game that I think Archie's in a really difficult position as it pertains to to Robert at this point. I think he's acknowledged many times and and clearly understands that this team needs him to be a really solid player, the guy that everybody expected him to be coming into the season for this team to achieve a lot this year, um, maybe even just to, to achieve a little. And so I think he's given him a lot of rope when you compare some of the quick hooks that these other guys have gotten. Um, but at a certain point, uh, you know, he did, he did take him out and I think he had to, it, it was a case of, you know, there was another, there was another sequence with him where he took a really quick uh, three pointer on, on one trip where, you know, one, we all know he hasn't been shooting the ball well, um, and while I kind of appreciate the desire to to step up and make a big shot, it really was early in the shot clock. wasn't didn't work anything around. Was not a way that IU had scored as they continue to struggle shooting the ball really outside of um, Devonte Green. And then I think after that, made kind of a lazy pass back out to the top of the key, and it led led to a uh, led to an easy basket. And at that point, you got a guy who is that lacks the confidence to really look at the basket, isn't making smart plays. And I think in some ways was really letting that get into him defensively as well. You know, Rodriguez is a tough matchup, as I as I mentioned before. Um, but at least on that end, you know, you would have liked to see him, you know, really kind of fight a little bit more and, th and things like that. And they just, you know, kind of similar to Duran, you know, this team isn't deep enough and isn't good enough to be able to survive without getting things from those. They can probably survive without a good performance from Josh Newkirk, but I don't think they're at a point where they can survive without Robert Johnson. And I, I think Archie's really struggling to figure out how to coach him in a way that allows him to not completely lose his confidence um, or at least lose any more than he already has. Um, but at the same time, if he's not giving you anything when he's out there, you got to figure out something to do. So I'm not really, I guess it's why he's getting paid a lot of money and I'm, you know, sitting here with you trying to, trying to make sense of it. But I think that's a, I think it's a really difficult position for him to be in because we've seen the kind of contributor that Robert can be, but he's being asked to do things that I don't know that he's comfortable doing in terms of really being a vocal leader and really being a go-to guy and getting the ball in his hands. Uh, and I think he's just overthinking everything. Even just catching the ball at times is, is starting to become a struggle for him. Um, and I think for him, it has to start with going to the basket a little bit more. I mean, while he did do that a lot more toward the end of the game, 
I mean, Seton Hall's, some of their better players are still in, and there were other drives, even when the game was still in doubt. The one that cut the lead to 10, as we yeah. you know, we talked about before big. down the stretch, was a nice nice drive. He got things going when he went to the basket. Um, but there was too often that he didn't even look to do that. And and at that point, you know, it, you're just not getting enough out of him. Uh, it's one thing to not make shots, but it's another to not really be, you know, kind of in the game and aggressive uh, in the way that they need him to be. And, and again, you know, he can't, I, I think the three turnovers, that feels like not enough, quite honestly, um, was second on the team in rebounding. So he did some good things, but when the, when it, when the chips were down and it really mattered, he just, just wasn't enough for him. Yeah. I mean, look, you're, there's a different grading scale for a senior than there is for a freshman, right? Because, you know, let's contrast Robert with the day from Aljamie Durham, who, you know, had 10 points, had an assist, had a steal. It's not like he stuffed up the stat sheet and he was out there for 29 minutes. I mean, Al played a lot, you know, but I just, it's, it's really stark, the difference in confidence and assertiveness between those two. Like if you told me that Al was the senior and that Robert was the freshman and I didn't know anything about the two teams, I probably would believe you because he just Al seems to play with just a different level of of poise. And maybe part of that is just, you know, he's a freshman, as they say, you know, he doesn't know anything yet and, and all that stuff. And he's just out there kind of playing on instinct some and doesn't have some of the bad habits to undo like Robert does. But, you know, man, I thought, you know, Al once again really showed just some some veteran savvy really i mean he's a lefty and he had three finishes around the basket with his right hand which i thought was really impressive and that's the one one over delgado in the i think that was in the that was in the first half i was in the first half that was incredible it was nice yeah i mean he you know he got to the lane only had two free throws um you know so didn't get fouled maybe as much as you would think that he might in a 29 minute game but you know also had the charge that he took i think that was in the first half and maybe it was a little bit of a flop but it was a, a good a well, those smart were opportunity throughout to take. the game so there's no oh, yeah. reason not to do it and the guy was clearly out of control so it was a smart opportunity to take and he's just he's active and, and making things happen and there was a possession Man, God, I've got this on my notes. And I, what was the description I had? I said, this is the worst possession of the season. Yeah, worst. It's 48-39. So, you know, still, you know, the, it's, the game's not totally over yet, right? I mean, Indiana made a couple of runs in the first half when Seton Hall pushed it out to, to a nine-point lead, and Indiana came right back. And on the court are Rojo, Newkirk, and Curtis Jones. And there was just this one possession where they just stood around the perimeter, just tossing it aimlessly around the perimeter. I mean, Curtis Jones... You know, I mean, he just never really threatens the defense off the dribble. And and Robert and Josh were just very content to just throw it around. And it ended in a turnover and a bucket. That made it 50-39. They went right down and hit a three. Boom, they're up by 14. Uh, and, and, you know, it just, it was kind of indicative, again, of, you know, I think in opportunities where Robert and Josh have to to maybe lead this team and make a play, they don't take the opportunity. Whereas guys like Devontae and Al, even though they make some mistakes, man, like when they make buckets, they feel huge. And when Robert and Josh make their buckets, it just kind of feels like, all right, well, that cut it from a 16-point lead to a 14-point lead. You know, I mean, Josh, to his credit, was a more efficient scorer tonight. He had eight points and it only took him three shots to do it. So, you know, he was two for two from downtown. I mean, that was nice. He didn't take any bad shots. But, you know, he had three assists, didn't really rebound well, had four turnovers, you know, defensively to me was just, you know, okay, nothing, you know, nothing special there. Um, and it's just, you know, one of the advantages for this team that it was going to have to rely on was experience. Obviously, they don't have Colin Hartman, so you can't rely on that. But you were thought you were going to be able to rely on Robert and Josh providing that veteran savvy. 
And they haven't been the guys to step up and make big plays when Indiana's needed them. In the first half, it was Justin Smith and Devontae Green who stepped up and got big buckets when the game was about to get out of hand. To me, that should be Robert and Josh. And, you know, I like those two guys, but, you know, just uh, as you said, uh, at some point, you've got to expect more of them or, you know, it's not just that you want to look toward the future with the younger guys. It's that the younger guys actually right now seem more confident and assertive. Yeah. yeah, making plays when they matter. So it's going to be an interesting, you know, kind of subplot to watch play out here as we move forward. What Archie decides to do with that, because I Archie has to be on the sidelines looking at that. Like, come on, you know, because he, you know, such a fighter as a player was a guy who was going to go out and just make plays. And to see that passivity in moments when the game is still, you know, kind of in the balance, it's got to just frustrate the heck out of him, I would think. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I, I can't, I can't argue any of it. I mean, as much as I like Robert Johnson, I've enjoyed watching him play and think that there is the guy that we've seen the last few years is in there somewhere. Um, but if he can't find his way out, Archie doesn't have an obligation to to let him play that out. I think he's given him more rope than, um, than than anybody he's given rope to on the team so far this season. I think by a pretty wide margin. When you when yeah. you think about some of the you know guy makes a boneheaded play, he's coming out pretty fast. This isn't this isn't like what we've seen the last few years. And I think there have been multiple times when other guys would have gotten the hook, and he didn't do that with Robert. Whether that's understanding his mindset, whether that's understanding how important he is to the team, I can't really say. Um, but at a certain point, that rope's going to run out, and and he has to do what he has to do to be able to win games. And to your point, you'd be hard-pressed to watch this team now and say that some of these other guys don't give them a better chance than than Newkirk and, and Rob do right now. And and maybe that changes, but you know, we're three, three games doesn't sound like a lot. You're 10% of the way into the season – here, here's where you are and, and you got a couple games now now to maybe you know regroup and, and get some things figured out but uh, you know at, at some point you are what you are and and how you're playing is is what the coach is going to reasonably expect of you and if that's not good enough that's not good enough yeah and hopefully you know with some patience these guys can adjust to the new system and maybe that's a big part of it i mean that has to be the hope if you're an indiana fan uh as we move forward here with this season all right you're listening to the assembly call iu post game show i am jared morris here with andy bottoms breaking down indiana's loss to seton hall andy let's quickly go inside some of the numbers uh you know i thought uh, one of the, the best numbers of the game for Indiana was out-rebounding Seton Hall in the first half, both on the offensive and defensive end. That quickly reversed itself, and Seton Hall ended up you know, kind of with the rebounding advantage that you might expect them to have for the game. Uh, you know, Same thing from a defensive efficiency standpoint. Indiana holds Seton Hall under a point per possession in the first half, but Seton Hall finishes at 1.26, so Archie probably isn't going to want to look at the Ken Palm numbers uh, after this game. The other number that sticks out that we've kind of been tracking so far this year, Andy, is the free throw shooting. And this is an Indiana team that is challenged offensively. We know that. Not a great three-point shooting team. Uh, certainly, you know, been pretty efficient on two-point field goals, but the turnovers are cutting into the number of attempts Indiana is able to get. So it's going to have to be a team based on how they want to play and their personnel that is going to have to battle teams either to a draw or an advantage when it comes to free throw shooting. And tonight, Indiana, you know, made a higher percentage of their free throws, 67%, which I guess is something to build on, but only the 12 attempts, uh, which isn't good. And it's especially not good when you contrast it with the 29 attempts that Seton Hall got. 
Um, and that's just that is a formula for losing for Indiana, particularly in this game. But I think especially moving forward, you know, that free throw rate is really going to be a stat to watch. And Indiana wasn't able to get it in their favor tonight. Um, what other team stats or individual stats jump out to you off the stat sheet, Andy? Uh, well, obviously, the turnover percentage at 25 is not good, but even, you know, 11 assists compared to 18 turnovers and those 11 assists came on 27 made baskets. I mean, that's just again, this team is is going to be challenged offensively, um, but on a team that's challenged offensively, you're going to have to use ball movement to try to offset some of that. So 11 assists on, on 27 makes is not uh, is far from ideal uh, at this point. W- one other thing that I noticed, and this is this doesn't really take. Uh, again, I, what what people categorize as a layup in some of these play by play scenarios is uh, is up for debate uh, at this point. But it showed IU was fourteen of twenty two uh, on layups and zero for one on dunks. And and if you take those one, it's nine misses right around the hoop uh, by any measure, even if it's not a layup in the traditional sense that we would think it would be. And if you count the times that they fumbled passes that missed opportunities, there that's uh-huh. a lot of points to just to just piss away right by the basket, which is um, obviously frustrating on a variety of levels. But I think, you know, even against, I credit Seton Hall for a lot of that. They've got a lot of good shot blockers inside. Their help defense was good. Um, They had guys coming from the weak side to block shots. A lot of credit to them for that. It wasn't just you, you know, throwing the ball off the backboard and not being able to make layups. That that wasn't, you know, you're not alone in a gym making, you know, missing nine up by the basket. But I thought, you know, the ability to really convert there was was not good at all. Um, and, and even with all that, the points in the paint were almost even, which I was pretty surprised by uh, when you look at that. But again, you know, the turnovers led to 21 points. I think that was actually the, the kind of rate of turnovers to opponent points was was it felt bigger in the first half, maybe. But I, I could be wrong about that. But again, you know, 21 points off of that um, struggled to defend the three point line again. Opponent shot over 50 percent. Um, only gave up nine makes this time, which is, I think, the lowest of the season. But still nine out of 17, a lot of clean looks. Um, and things really kind of broke down in that regard uh, later in the game. So those are a few that uh, stood out to me. Good point also by Brian and Kent uh, in the YouTube chat going that goes along with the show, which is that, you know, Newkirk started out poorly last year. And, and so perhaps he is just a slow starter that it takes a little while to get going into the season. That needs to be the hope because I think people, you know, they've been so quick to jump on the anti-Newkirk bandwagon earlier this year, and I get it. He hasn't played very well. Um, but let's not forget that he really did become a better player toward the end of last season. So as we look for reasons to hope, reasons to believe, uh, you know that that might be one of them, and hopefully he can have a similar turnaround. This well, and on year, the, on, well, on the, and on the slow starts, I mean, I, I've been kind of doing the lineup stuff. I know we haven't been sending it out after every game because we're trying to aggregate a little bit, take a little bit higher level view of it, but... Um, in the, you know, first, before the first sub tonight, the starters were minus five. They went with a different starting five, uh, at the beginning of the second half and those got outscored by five. So, you know, within the first roughly three minutes of each half, you, you were, you know, got down by a combined 10 points. And, and again, this team is not good enough offensively to spot people, you know, 10 points before they wake up and figure out what's going on. No, that's a great point. Uh, okay, so coming up, Andy, you made a really interesting point about Indiana around the basket, and I want to expound on that by actually giving a particular Hoosier kudos for how savvy he is at making himself available around the basket for good opportunities. Now he's just got to get better at finishing on those. Uh, and I know this is a guy, Andy, that you're going to want to talk about some too. So that is coming up on the Assembly Call. Uh, stick with us.
You are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. Catch us live immediately following every IU basketball game and every Thursday night on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. You can also view all of our live broadcasts and participate in the live chat right on our homepage at assemblycall.com. I am Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms, and we are breaking down Indiana's road loss to Seton Hall. Andy, I want to pick up our discussion about Justin Smith. Obviously, we talked about him in the banner moment and haven't spent a whole lot of, of time on him, and I know that you'll probably have something to say about him, but the thing that has impressed me the most about him uh, early this year, again, in this bizarro team where freshmen seem to play like juniors and seniors and juniors and seniors seem to play like freshmen sometimes. And, you know, look, Josh, I think he finished with four, or Justin finished with four turnovers. So, I mean, he's still out there making his share of mistakes. But his ability to find space offensively and just always seem to kind of make himself available around the basket or be in these positions where he's, you know, kind of open and in a position to score has been really impressive to me. And I, I wasn't expecting that from him. Um, you know, he had three offensive rebounds. We've seen him kind of be a guy who, you know, because of his athleticism and just kind of being in the right place at the right time has been able to get some offensive rebounds. But I didn't expect some of the offensive savvy that we've seen from him. Um, and, and I think what's going to be interesting to watch moving forward is as he gets more assertive, as he gets more confident, and certainly as he just gets stronger around the basket, you know, some, you talked about Indiana missed what eight or nine layups. And I think, you know, several of those opportunities were Justin's when he can start converting those. Now he goes from scoring 10 points tonight from five of 11 shooting to scoring 14 or 16 points, you know, and being a much more efficient offensive player. So again, you know, you kind of look for reasons why this team can grow and improve. I think Justin Smith has already shown a lot. Uh, and we wondered, okay, can he take what he did against Howard and not do it on the road against a good team? Well, I thought he had more things tonight to build on. Um, and again, just his ability to really pick spots and find availabilities in the defense offensively has really been impressive to me early on. Yeah. I thought, um, on inside the hall, they did a, a the film study um, from uh, from the Howard game was was really focused on Justin Smith and some of those kinds of things that you talked about, which I thought was really good and spoke well to you know some of the things that he was able to do. I think you know the other thing I saw from him uh, from a rebounding perspective, there were a lot of times that he get his hand on the ball, but it just kind of would tip it out or try to do something else. I think if he gets to a point where he can you know grab those a little bit more, and I think he's um, you know again was thrust into a pretty difficult situation to make your first start in college three games in on the road at a you know top 20 team uh, that's, that's got a, a team full of veteran guys to go up against was a pretty tough spot for him. And I thought he really responded well, um, did kind of carve out that space and and did a nice job. I don't know that many of his shots got blocked. He just couldn't get him in the hoop. So I think there's yeah. things to build on from, from that standpoint. And he wasn't afraid uh, by any means to try to go into Delgado and, and get shots up there. And so I thought, um, I, I thought again, another really good building block type of performance for him. And I think he's going to be a guy who's going to, continue to contribute whether he stays in the starting lineup uh which is really tonight i think a product of you know juan being a little bit hurt but i think also rewarding him a bit for how well he played uh against howard i think he's going to be a guy that continues to get better and i thought if iu wants to play or has to play a little bit smaller by playing him and juan together again i thought they they worked pretty well together out there uh, as a tandem they're obviously giving up um giving up some sizing got to work through that and, and that won't be as big an issue against every team as it was tonight but i thought those guys made a pretty good duo so if iu gets in situations where uh, either they need to play small because of the opponent or because Duran's in foul trouble uh, or whatever the case may be. I think that's a, a look that I wouldn't be surprised to see a little bit more of just because I thought it was effective with those two tonight. 
Great quote by Archie Miller on the turnovers, and we're going to get to that here in a minute. But you just mentioned Juwan Morgan. I want to talk about him a little bit because uh, I agree with you. Look, I mean, you want to talk about a positive coming out of this game? You know, Juwan sprains his ankle the last time out. You know, a lot of us aren't even sure if he's going to play tonight, and he ends up going 28 minutes. And, you know, I thought that was good. And I thought at times when he'd been out there for extended minutes, he started to look a little bit tired. And actually, Juwan in particular made a couple of bad decisions at the end of the shot clock. Like, that's one thing in the second half. You know, there were a few sequences where Indiana played some pretty good defense for 30, 31 seconds and then, you know, fouled a three-pointer. Newkirk did that or, you know, uh, Morgan had a foul or they would give up something. And so, you know, and I thought for Juwan, you know, maybe, you know, with the ankle and, and probably not being able to be as active, I wonder what his conditioning was like. Um, but I thought for the most part, he really battled. I thought he was outstanding in the first half. And I know it might not jump off the stat sheet, you know, eight points, seven rebounds. You know, someone asked me, like, what was he? Because I said, Juwan Morgan's been great. And someone's like, what has he been great at? I was like, just playing basketball. <laughs> like, he was just, he was being tough. He was in good position. It's not always going to show up on the stat sheet. And I thought Juwan did some of the things that, you know, a guy like Colin Hartman often does. And, and so, you know, again, you know, he missed a couple of threes. Some of that shot selection in the first half wasn't great. But I thought he played well. But there was a moment in the second half, and I almost uh, used this for the meaningful moment uh, that you might have missed. But I think it's really important because we've seen from Juwan a real commitment so far this year to that three-point shot. You know, talked about it at Hoosier Hysteria that he's so confident when he shoots. And when he's gotten opportunities, man, he's really looked for that shot. And like last year, it just hasn't been falling. And so I don't want him to not shoot. I think if he can make threes, that really adds another, you know, kind of layer, uh, another dimension to this offense. But late in the second half, you know, he got an opportunity for a pretty open three-pointer and the kind that he's been taking all year. And it, instead of just shooting it, he took it, put his head down, drove to the basket and scored. And we've talked about how, you know, he has not been a good jump shooter from last year and this year, but he is, when you look at the statistics, elite, you know, at scoring around the basket, at scoring in isolation situations when he's driving. And so to see him do that, hopefully that was a guy who maybe the light bulb started to go on in that moment for what is a good shot for me? What is a good decision offensively? Because I think he, among all the guys, really seems to have struggled offensively with what should I be doing? Like, what am I doing offensively when I'm playing well? outside of, you know, setting screens, getting offensive rebounds. But tonight he did that, and there were a couple times where he got really nice post position. Uh, one in particular, Devontae Green made a great post feed. I mean, Juwan just had his man pinned right under the basket. He just had to turn and do a quick layup. And so I really hope that what we saw from Juwan in the second half kind of unlocks his offensive game because I thought he played really well over, overall tonight. Um, but if he can get going offensively, that's a really important dimension for this team because Archie talked about him having responsibility for production. He hasn't been able to do it yet. Hopefully that's a sign that he'll be ready to. Yeah, and he was one guy who did get to the line in a pretty good clip. You know, he had seven free throws, only made four of them. But, you know, he he got there seven of the 12 that IU took. And I thought, I agree with you in the second half, he was a little bit more aggressive. And, uh, you know, and some of his aggressiveness set up opportunities for other guys like Justin Smith as, as you know, he kind of drove, drove the lane uh, drew defenders and was able to get him the ball. So, I, yeah, I, I thought he had some nice, uh, got some post position, and they even you know would post him up a little bit. He's obviously not going to do the same things in the post once he gets it as Duran will, but it's going to struggle. You know, it's hard to it's hard to look at what we've seen from this team so far and think that they're not going to continue to struggle to shoot the ball from the outside. Um, so, yeah. You know, they're they're just there aren't enough consistently good shooters, and even the ones who we thought we could rely on. 
Maybe when Colin Hartman comes back, that changes. But the reality is, from what we've seen, this hasn't been a team that's going to knock down a bunch of threes. So, again, to be able to play through a guy like him in the post, you can pass the ball well, get other guys cutting and moving off of him, uh, I think it's going to have to be a big staple of what this team does offensively. Hey, but on the bright side, at least we know we'll get to see three-pointers made in a game because the opposition certainly is yes. going to keep making them. Absolutely sure. they are. Absolutely so they are. If you like shooting, you can still watch IU games. Unfortunately, it's just not going to be your team making them very often. <laughs> oh, man. Gallows humor after a loss. That's what we do here. Uh, you are listening to the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms, breaking down Indiana's loss to Seton Hall. Um, Andy, let's talk real quick about Devontae Green. Uh, he led Indiana in scoring, and we haven't really mentioned him a ton tonight. Uh, and I thought, you know, this was – look, in the first half, I thought he was really good, man. Indiana needs someone to step up and make shots, and he – you know, Devontae played with his usual swagger. Uh, but sometimes that swagger leads to a whole lot of nothing. Uh, and in the first half tonight, I thought he was really, really good, made shots. You know, maybe part of it's just being back on the East Coast and being closer to home. He felt more comfortable. You know, his, his two big games – you know, being back closer to home, and then when his brother Danny Green was uh, was in Bloomington. So maybe if we can get a family member at all the games, or we schedule more games out there, he'll be ready to go. But I thought he was he was really good for a lot of the game. Um, I thought defensively in the first half was good. In the second half, especially early, I thought his attention to detail when he was guarding dribblers and applying ball pressure, I thought guys were able to go by him a little bit too quickly. Um, so it fell off a little bit. And I think we just saw more of what we have come to expect from Devontae in this game, which is stretches of brilliance and quick stretches where he can put together five, you know, seven, eight points in really quick succession, which is a huge dimension for this team because no one else can really do that but him outside of Duran when he really gets going down low. So it's really needed. Again, if, if he can just be a little bit more consistent throughout the game, it'll really help. But I thought, you know, much more good than bad from Devontae today and something to build on. And I think as we move forward, if things don't change, he's really going to be a guy Indiana's going to have to rely on against better competition because he can just get himself into positions and get shots off and seems willing to take shots um, that other guys don't seem to be willing to. Um, and that in and of itself is seeming like a very important role for this team. Yeah, no doubt about that. No, I thought he had a couple of nice shot fakes and really played under control in the first half. And I think that was kind of the difference for me in the second half where he got caught up in you know, some of the same you know, decision-making uh, issues that we talked about with the the seniors. I thought he got caught up in that a little bit at points in the second half where he just playing too fast, took quick contested shots um, that were a little bit different than the ones he took before. And the results, uh, you know, bear that out a little bit just in terms of, you know, what he was. He was, you know, four out of five from three in the first half uh, and four of seven overall from the floor. And in the second half, he was 0-4 from three, did make a couple, uh, did make a couple uh, two-pointers. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think, again, on a team that's going to struggle to score, not that just to beat this into the ground, anybody who's watching this team knows they're going to struggle to score, but uh, on a team that's going to continue to struggle doing that, I think he's a guy that's going to have to play more because he's at least a guy who um, is playing with a confidence that's a little bit different than than other guys right now. And if they could just get him to rein in, you know, the two to three plays where he just tries to to be too fancy, uh, you know, he made some nice drives to the basket as well. And then the feeds he tried to make were just so uh, so difficult that that it became hard for guys to even expect that they'd get the ball and, and some of those. And so some of those turnovers in the first half, uh, I, I think, were the result of that. So but but again, more bad than good from him and, you know, continue to see more good some, than bad. You mean? Or, yeah. Yeah. More more good than bad. So. Uh, yeah, de decent performance from him, particularly in the first half, really was a big reason they were able to stave off those early Seton Hall runs in the first half. If it wasn't for him, uh, you know, what happened in the second half may very well have happened in the first.
And Devontae and Juwan, they uh, represented the totality of Indiana's bench production. Uh, and that was a bright spot for Indiana, at least in terms of the numbers, where Indiana outscored Seton Hall 24-14 uh, off of the bench. And obviously, Devontae and, Ju- and, and Juwan have been guys who have started games. Um, you know, so, so getting them uh, off the bench, you would expect production from them. Uh, but Indiana wasn't able to get much else from the bench tonight. As you know, we talked about Curtis Jones. I mean, he played, I think, six minutes, was a, a total non-factor, took a couple of shots. And, and that was about it, uh, but really went back to passive Curtis Jones mode where he just seems afraid to take more than one dribble or to really do anything that actually attacks the teeth of the defense. Um, and when he's just out there as a ball mover and he's not making shots, he's ineffective. So I thought his six minutes tonight were warranted. And I thought Freddie McSwain is a guy that a lot of times you you know you can kind of count on him. And tonight, I think a big disappointment is you 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 didn't get from Freddie McSwain what you expect. Uh, you know, he had a couple of turnovers, a couple of bad turnovers, you know, and kind of a return of of the butterfingers that we saw last year, which were bad at the beginning and, and improved somewhat as the season went along. But his turnovers were not good. Uh, you know, only had one rebound. And then I thought, you know, he obviously got into that little, uh, uh, you know, that, that little tiff and ended up getting the technical foul. Um, so he just didn't seem quite as with it as, as normal. And so not a whole lot of, of other bench production, which really would have helped on a night like tonight, especially with so many guys in foul trouble. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, Freddie, one of the catches he, he had issues with in the first half was one of those ones I talked about right by the hoop, uh, difficult for him based on kind of what we've seen from him. The other one was really just a, you know, kind of standard pass to him out toward the top of the key, just went right through his hands, led to a basket and he just lost focus. I mean, yeah, totally. yeah, three fouls and, and two turnovers in six minutes is, uh, you know, it's just not going to get it done. I mean, plus minus hard to look at just for a game, but I mean, he was minus 13 in six minutes. That's pretty, pretty difficult to do. Um, I, I would say based on what I'm looking at. So, but to Archie's credit, he had a quick hook and it was when he took Freddie out in the first half that Indiana went on the run. Yeah, they started, that was when they really started letting, uh, Juwan and, and Justin Smith play together. I thought that was, I, I believe that was around the time that that happened. Yep. All righty. Well, coming up in our final segment here of this edition of the Assembly Call, Andy, let's talk real quick about that Archie Miller quote uh, when it comes to turnovers. Then we're going to hand out our game balls, uh, look ahead to Indiana's next opponent, and deliver our final thoughts on uh, another Indiana loss. That is next here on the Assembly Call. Stick with us. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms, and we are wrapping up our breakdown of Indiana's 84-68 to loss to Seton Hall. Uh, Andy, have you had a chance to process this? Uh, what Archie said about the turnovers here? I know he uh, – I'm looking at it real quick. Josh Margulis, our buddy who writes our Six Banner Sunday uh, newsletters, tweeted it out. And I know, you know, uh, one quote in here is when you look at your senior backcourt and they had seven of your 18 turnovers, that's something that they have to take more pride in. And we have to do a better job as a staff of really making them aware of at all costs. Tuck it under your chin. Don't throw it in the seats. You know what I mean? I mean, pretty. Yeah. Sounds good, coach. I mean, that makes sense well, to me. Well, and then the, the subsequent parts of that were, you know, something we talked about earlier, because from a percentage standpoint, we did get a decent look or get a shot. I think we did. We got a pretty good look, got the ball into the basket. Absolutely, they did. I mean, to shoot as well as as they did against a tough defensive team, is there something to be said for that? And he but too many uncharacteristic. That's probably the part that I disagree with. Uncharacteristic, just turnovers that really, to be honest with you, crippled us. I'm like, he oh. wasn't here doing post game shows after after well, every game. To last be year. to be fair, I, yeah, <laughs> I, I suppose, yeah. So uncharacteristic to some, all too familiar for others. 
Yes. Um, all right. So let's uh, let's hand out some game balls from tonight's game, Andy, and uh, we will start with you. Uh, I'm going to give mine to. There's a couple guys I had in mind. I'm going to give mine to Devonte. I think I go back to what I, what I said when we were just talking about him a minute ago. I mean, this game gets out of hand pretty quickly if it's not for him making shots in the first half. Uh, and so even though he didn't play as well in the second half, didn't shoot the ball as well, and um, you know didn't play with the same kind of you know control and, and calm that I felt like he did in the first half. Uh, I think we we didn't have the positive first half to talk about at the beginning if it wasn't for him. Yeah, I uh, you know for me it comes down to Justin Smith or Jawan Morgan, and I thought Justin was very good, but I'm giving mine to Jawan Morgan. You know, you, you think about the keys coming into this game, rebounding. Uh, that was one of the biggest things Archie and, and Bruiser Flint talked about. That and Jawan led the team in rebounding. Uh, I thought his physical presence was really important. I think just the lift he was able to give the team by being able to play. You know, obviously after injuring the ankle. And then I thought the offensive growth that he showed in the second half, again, you know, we are looking for guys to show improvement and, you know, especially the veterans who we know are kind of going through this tough adjustment. And I thought, you know, we didn't really see it from Robert outside of maybe the adjustment he made late to take it to the basket. Don't think we saw a lot of it from Josh, but I thought with Juwan, we saw some of that tonight where he got back to doing Jawan Morgan things, doing some of the things offensively that he needs to do uh, and, and was able to play really physical tonight in, in, a, in a physical tough game and play 28 minutes and only pick up three fouls while also being one of the few guys who drew him on the other end. So I think this was a game where Jawan Morgan's contributions were much more profound than simply what you'll see in the stat sheet. Um, and so he gets my game ball. And I really hope it's a sign of things to come because he is such an important key for this team. I think overall, he is this team's best player on both ends when you take into account what he can do on offense and what he can do on defense when he's operating at a high level. And he has got to operate at that high level against the better teams on Indiana's uh, uh, schedule for them to win some of those games. And I thought we saw some signs that he's hopefully getting ready to do that tonight. So my game ball goes to Juwan Morgan. Uh, who's up next, Andy? Who are we playing on Sunday? It's uh, South, South Florida, South right? Florida. Yeah, so uh, this is one I, of the other worst teams on Indiana's schedule, correct? Remaining uh, uh, second to worst right now. I'm looking at Ken Palm now. They're 270. Young Sunset's 275. So one of the uh, uh, one of the worst. I, I would I would just to go back to Juwan really quick. He was the other oh, yeah. guy that I considered. So that was a uh, I, that was a, a worth worthy selection on your part. Yeah. Um, as far as South Florida goes, well, before I get to South Florida, because I usually do this by looking at Ken Palm, I, I pulled this up. So tonight's game has been taken into account. IU is 93rd. Don't look, Archie. Don't look. Now in Ken Palm. Yeah, this is not the night to have him come on with us while we refresh the, uh, <laughs> no, the browser. Um, yeah, but a couple things that stand out that are just a little bit wild to me. Um, IU currently 41st in two-point field goal percentage, so 61% on two-pointers. Uh, I, I suggest do you not look at the three point percentage? Um, then, but then you flip that the other way. Uh, and I use actually giving up a higher percentage on three pointers than two pointers at this point, which is pretty tough to do. Uh, I would absurd. say, yeah, they're actually turning They're They're just outside the top 100 in defensive turnover rate. So that's a positive, but they're allowing opponents to make 50.6% of their three-pointers, which may actually be down from what it was before the night started. You know I'm what's amazing really is there's 23 teams that are worse than that. <laughs> 24? I don't what's even going understand. What's on there? <laughs> I don't even understand. I'm not even going to look at those teams to figure that out. But, uh, you know, South Florida uh, is not good. Uh, they have a uh, new coach, Brian Gregory, who used to be at Dayton, I think, who Archie actually took over for uh, at Dayton. So he's got a, a rebuilding 
project on his hands. They just lost at home to Morgan State, who's in the same conference as Howard is. Uh, I think Morgan State one of the one of the picks to win that might, might actually be who I picked in my preseason bracket to be there. So uh, they play Stetson uh, on the road at Stetson tomorrow night, and Ken Palm actually projects them to lose at Stetson. Um, so they are 296th in uh, offensive rating, 222nd on defense. Um, their their best trait, however, is their two point defense. So the uh, that will be apparently a good matchup for for IU. But I, you know, this is absolutely a game that IU should win. Um, and, and should win handily, you would think. But, uh, you know, we'll see. I think everybody thought that about the Howard game. We'll see what happens. But, uh, yeah, definitely one of the worst opponents left on IU schedule. So even though somebody might look at it and say this is a team from a, a relatively major league in the American Athletic Conference, I think they were, when I put together, you know, kind of tallied preseason projections, I'm pretty sure they were a consensus uh, last pick in that league by any and any and all outlets that, uh, that put out any kind of projections. Man, so... I don't want to linger on this too long because we're you know almost pushing an hour and we have a, a show tomorrow and I think we'll spend some time on this. But this is a really important like stretch we, for Indiana. Show on Thursday, right? Today's no. To, yep, tomorrow yep. is Thursday. Yep, yep. <laughs> been that kind of been that kind yes, of week for has. me. So yes, it has. Yeah, I'll see myself. Uh, out. <laughs> <laughs> but so South Florida and then the day before Thanksgiving, Indiana plays Arkansas State, currently ranked two hundred second. Day after Thanksgiving, Indiana plays Eastern Michigan, one forty ninth. This is a really, really important 120 minutes of basketball for Indiana to improve on stuff. I mean, these are obviously three games you expect them to win, although Indiana would certainly be smart not to overlook Eastern Michigan uh, because that's a team currently ranked higher than Indiana State, and we know what Indiana State did coming in, and the current Ken Palm prediction for that game is only 79-72. So that's a team, if Indiana doesn't come in and play well, could clip them. Um, But when you look at what comes after that, Duke, Michigan, Iowa, Louisville, Notre Dame, all in the span of, what, about 18, 19 days? I mean, this team really has got to improve on some things. And so, you know, it it can be tough sometimes in a game like this at Seton Hall, you know, to to maybe work on stuff or, you know, kind of improve on things because it's just such a tough physical game and going to be such a hard game to win. Uh, And it's not to say that Indiana should overlook any of these games, but their opportunities against you know, competition that maybe can't expose every single flaw that you have, like Seton Hall did in the second half, that I think hopefully we can really, we can, you know, we're here on the Eastern Michigan show and we're like, you know what? Indiana really improved over these, you know, these three games. And while I have a certain level of confidence about the Duke game, uh, I feel better about it than I did, you know, before, uh, before these three games. So just a big opportunity, I think, for Indiana. It all starts on Sunday, something they really need to take advantage of. Yeah, I, I would agree. I mean, I think as you start thinking about just forming the habits that you want to see again, you know, in a 30 game season, three games is 10%. So by the end of that stretch, we're going to be 20% into this thing. And, uh, and, and I think there's obviously a lot these guys can work on. I think both collectively uh, in terms of the turnovers, in terms of the defense, in terms of the consistent effort um, that's going to be needed to do well. And then individually for the guys that we talked about that are really struggling from a confidence standpoint, Robert Johnson, chief among those, um, they got to find a way to get him going because that stretch uh, of those five games that you mentioned is not the place that you're going to be gaining confidence by uh, by any means. You need to have yeah. it going into those, so they got to figure out a way to get him going, um, or or decide that you know here's what our rotation is going to look like, and and if he that means he comes off the bench, then um, and it gets to that point, then so be it. But yeah, you're going to be 20 percent of the way into the season by the end of these three games, so um, 
you're going to start to have a pretty good idea of of, of what this team's going to be. And I think, as you said, going to be a really important 120 minutes of basketball. Hopefully, three wins, but hopefully more than that. Just um, you know, picking up some confidence and and you know, breaking some more of those bad habits. Here's a quick pop quiz for you before we go to last call. What do Outside of being Indiana basketball players, what do Josh Newkirk, Devontae Green, Justin Smith, Deron Davis, Juwan Morgan, and Freddie McSwain all have in common? I, I, you know? I, well, I'm sure it's something on Ken Palm because I'm sure you're looking at that. So I'll, it is. I'll, go ahead. Well, to, to avoid dead air, which never plays well uh, in a podcast, uh, they are all using more possessions than Robert Johnson. It's maybe one of the most depressing early in the season kind of nuggets from Ken Palm. As you look down, Robert Johnson is listed as a role player. And, you know, I mean, the numbers back up what the eyes are telling us. Robert only using 19% of possessions last year. He's a guy who used 21. You would expect with the construction of this year's roster that he would be up where Josh Newkirk is using 24% of possessions. Uh, and frankly, you know, neither one, neither guy has been particularly efficient. But kind of going off what we said, Al Durham currently using 15.5% of possessions, but his offensive rating is 132.5, which is in the top, you know, that's that's nationally ranked. It's really good. Uh, and it's by far better than any other player outside of Deron Davis. So he's a guy who, in limited possessions, is producing. Um, and look, Robert Johnson has to be a guy who uses more possessions and produces at a higher efficiency level for Indiana to, to do anything this year. So hopefully that starts uh, with these three games coming up. Because like you said, you know, you're not you're not going to get right when you start playing Duke and Michigan and, and all those teams. So no, if anybody watched that Duke game last night, uh, that, that game should be horrifying for all of us. Yes, especially those of us who have been adamant about an Indiana victory all offseason long. <laughs> <laughs> anyway luckily we don't know anybody like that so. <laughs> yeah. no we don't no we don't yeah. who would so foolishly go out on that limb uh i'm not changing my pick though darn it we still have some time to get that going uh anyway uh andy let's go to last call and uh and end the show and move on yeah i you know i think we i think we, we hit all the the pertinent points as we went through the show I, I do think there are things to build on and uh I, you know i feel like as we've tried to say after the Howard game, uh, we may have to, you know, be our own support group and talk ourselves into, you know, lingering on the positives as much as the negatives. But I do think uh, that there were that there were some to take away from tonight. And I thought some of the guys played really well. The problem is that this team isn't good enough where only some of the guys can play well. They need everybody to play well. They they there just isn't enough there to cover up mistakes, bad nights, errors, all those kinds of things. Just it's just the reality of this team's roster. And and maybe that changes as the Archie Miller era goes on, but that's not where we are right now. I, I liken it a little bit to, um, you, you know, my, my daughter who's in fifth grade, we're trying to run this, this play. And the coach asked me, yeah, I'm, I'm just an assistant. And, and he goes, do you think they can run this? Should we be doing something different? I said, the problem with the play is that it requires all five of them to know what they're doing. And right now all five of them don't. Uh, and so if three or four of them know, that's great, but it's not going to work. And I think that's that's kind of a microcosm of what this team is like. They they can't get by with 70% of the guys playing well. They can't get by with 80% of the guys playing well. When they were dialed in in that point in the first half, they were all locked in defensively, and even though they gave up baskets, they were developing confidence. They were moving the ball and doing some of those kinds of things. And so 
you know, that, that to me is the measuring stick as we watch this team going forward is how long does it take? Because hope, and hopefully there's an answer to this, which will mean that everybody has gotten there. Um, but how long does it take for all these guys to get on the same page where they can really play, play together and start to build that confidence? Um, because if they do that, I, we saw enough to know that they can compete and to tell you they're going to win 12 big 10 games because they're probably not. Um, but if they can get to that point, um, I, I think they can, you know, exceed the the now lowered expectations after this. But it's going to require everybody to to do their part and to play well because it just isn't a roster full of five stars that are going to be able to cover stuff up. And and I think that's the reality that I've come to over the first few games. But I think the the good thing is that after tonight, you saw a stretch where they played well together, and hopefully that's one they could build on and really uh, and really get some you know downhill momentum going over these next few games. Yeah. Patience and perspective. I mean, I think those are the two most important words right now. I think obviously we know that we're going to have to have patience. And if you're an IU fan that is hyper-focused on the immediate moment, you know, and you need this team to make the NCAA tournament this year for, you know, for it to, to be a success and to feel like Archie has this program on the right track, you may well be setting yourself up uh, for a really difficult season. Uh, and, you know, and, and I kind of wonder some, Andy, if, you know, Folks like us, you know, coming on here every week and getting so excited in the offseason, if we led ourselves and, and led fans a little bit too much to thinking things could be better early than they were. And I, I know why we've made the predictions that we did. I mean, shoot, you you didn't pick them in your NCAA tournament. So really, I shouldn't include you in this. I'm the one who picked them to win 21 games uh, and, you know, kind of talked myself into the idealized version of every player and uh, you know, and, and all that coming to fruition. And it's clear after three games that they're further behind than we thought. But, you know, it certainly would not be unprecedented for a great coach taking over a program who's going to have long-term success to really struggle in his first couple seasons. That's happened with a lot of coaches. I think it happened with Sean Miller, uh, his brother, when they were at Arizona. And I think they missed the tournament for the first time. And obviously, we know what he's built. So those things do take time. And, you know, we don't talk about them now necessarily to excuse these poor performances. But I do think it, it would it's we should all kind of have that patience. And then I think perspective is important because, you know, frankly, I thought there was so much more to get excited about after today's game than anything I saw in the Howard game, even though the Howard game was a win because it's all about time and place and opponent. And I think for Indiana to play for 20 minutes like they did, again, it shows what this thing can look like. And hopefully, you know, what Archie focuses on with the guys um, not that he certainly needs my advice and needs to focus on what he think is what he thinks is best, but hopefully what the guys take from that first half, I guess, is what I should say is, you know what? When, when, when we're doing these things and we're, you know, kind of doing the right thing and doing what coach says, we can compete with this really good team. Now we just got to do it in the second half, too. And so if that happens, then maybe we can look back on this game as a building block, even though it's going to go down uh, in the record books as a 16-point loss and was every bit of a 16-point loss. But hopefully some of those building blocks from the first half, uh, you know, prove to be things Indiana can carry forward uh, and there will be something good uh, to come out of this. And that's what we're looking for all season is just growth and, and things to build on. All right, that'll do it for us on this edition of the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. Remember that our live broadcasts immediately following every IU game are always available on our homepage at assemblycall.com and on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. And you can always catch up on demand anytime with our podcast. If you miss us live, just search for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget, go to assemblycall.com slash join to join our free email newsletter. You get our six banner Sunday news roundups and our post game analysis emails the morning after every IU game. 
Thank you for listening. We will talk to you again Thursday night for Assembly Call Radio and then for our next post-game show on Sunday after the IU South Florida game. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. Go Hoosiers. Thank you for being here and for listening to this episode of the Assembly Call. We appreciate it. And we really do rely on the support of audience members like you to keep our show going and to keep growing. And so we have set up a page on our website at assemblycall.com slash support that lists five ways that you can support the Assembly Call. And we encourage you to choose whichever method is the easiest and most convenient for you. One of the methods is donating. And so many of you have donated and we appreciate it so much. On that page, you can choose a monthly recurring donation or an annual recurring donation or just a one-time donation, whatever works for you. And if you don't want to donate, Another way to support the show is you can use our affiliate URLs, iutickets.shop or iustore.shop when you're going to shop for tickets or gear, and we will get paid a small commission when you use those links. But however you support the show, we appreciate it. Thank you. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. From the company that brought you Rocket Mortgage comes Rocket Pro Insight, the innovative product designed to give real estate agents control like never before. Rocket Pro Insight allows agents to send files on their clients' behalf and get to closing faster. Sign up today at rocketpro.com slash real estate and get the freedom to check a client's progress from anywhere at any time. Offer cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. License in all 50 states. MLS, consumeraccess.org, number 3030.